Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the airport. Seven days have flown by and we've got a whole load of news to discuss this week. It's been incredibly busy, particularly for the Sussexes who have finally tied a bow on all of the speculation and talk around their departure as working members of the royal family. We've got brand new information from Buckingham Palace to digest and talk through and I'll be joined by royal commentator Victoria Arbiter to go through all of that later in the show. But this week we also saw the Queen return to work and engagements after returning from Sandringham last month. She officially opened a major new medical facility in London that housed two specialist hospitals under one roof. And she was a visitor at the Royal ENT Hospital and Eastman Dental Hospital. That was where she saw firsthand the work being carried out across the facility, visiting the adult dental and paediatric treatment floors, and uh, speaking to a number of the patients there as well. So it's great to see her back in action. It has been a sort of quieter time for her, busy time for her behind the scenes, but we haven't seen as many engagements from her recently. So it's great to see her back in the swing of things. And we also saw Prince Charles celebrating a landmark moment this week. It was 50 years officially since he first spoke about the environment and uh, he shared a special interview through Clarence House uh, talking about when he first kind of became to care talking about when he first came to care about the environment uh, over 50 years ago reflecting on a speech that he made in 1970 where he spoke about many of the issues that we're now talking about today that are very much trending topics he spoke about the growing menace of oil pollution at sea and the growing pollution from gases pumped out by endless cars and airplanes and it was really interesting to hear just how informed he was at a time when very few others were thinking about this subject he himself Himself said that people thought he was potty. I remember years ago in the 60s, when I was a teenager, minding so much about all the things that were going on, the destruction of everything, you know, the uprooting of trees and hedgerows and draining of wet places and destruction of all the sort of interesting habitats, the destruction of so much of the centre of our towns and cities and this sort of white heat of progress and technology to the exclusion of of nature and you know, our surroundings, and also this, this complete determination somehow to defeat nature and to suppress everything to do with it. And I, I don't know, I seem to remember minding an awful lot about it. It was interesting to hear how far we've come. He spoke about in the 70s, he actually wanted to install a bottle bank at Buckingham Palace for recycling and also a special uh, environmentally friendly sewage system at his Highgrove home in Gloucestershire. And he spoke about people saying that he was rather dotty to say or even suggest these things. And of course, now uh, we've seen him very much involved, uh, sort of at the forefront of environmental welfare in the UK. He recently set up an organisation called the Sustainable Markets Council uh, to build a bridge between investors and environmental projects. And uh, he spoke about, in this new interview, just how important it is to get these things moving, saying that we really only have, I mean, we've heard this from many others, but they have about 10 very important years to get these issues solved. 
He said, we've got a decade left. Everything we are doing has been to destroy our own means of survival, let alone the survival of everything else we depend on. But it was refreshing to hear him speak about this subject so candidly. It has been a couple of weeks of very candid remarks from many members of the royal family. Later in the show, I'll be looking at the impact that the Duchess of Cambridge's podcast interview with Giovanna Fletcher, a mum blogger here in the UK, has had on the parenting community and the success of her early years survey, which wraps up today as we speak. Uh, But before we go into that, uh, I'm going to head over to New York, where I should be joined by Victoria Arbiter, royal commentator extraordinaire, and someone who I would say it's safe to call you a friend of the show. I think I can call you that, Victoria, right? I would hope so. I'd be (laughs) proud to be a friend of the show. It has been an interesting week uh, with the Sussex news. I think we sort of had this silence for a while and I think it's fair to say that everyone was really eager to hear more about how this transition period would end. And Buckingham Palace finally puts us out of our misery, giving us sort of the final pieces of the puzzle uh, for the Harry and Meghan's new chapter. Yeah, I think it's been a very concise conclusion, really. Very clean, very well put together. Um, Clearly, they wanted to make sure they'd thought through everything ahead of time. It's a little bittersweet, I'm not going to lie. Harry and Meghan have so much to offer globally. They're incredibly popular. And I think those that sort of really follow the royal family were excited to see what their royal careers had in store. But I think what we saw with this announcement this week is that they're going to be very much present for the things that really matter to them. So I was encouraged to see that Harry's expected to be back for the London Marathon, for example, uh, Mm. of which he's patron. And clearly that means a lot to him. And it's quite something. Thing, having Prince Harry waiting as you cross the finish line. Um, likewise for Invictus, they'll be uh, in The Hague in, in May. So I think uh, while some people weren't sure what this transition meant, would we never see Harry and Meghan again? I think what's really come to light is that they are going to be present, actually. I would expect to see them at Trooping the Colour and we'll see them uh, on hand for a number of the, the things that they're most interested in throughout the year. So I'm excited, actually, now. Now that we've got, I suppose, the finer details and we can all stop speculating. Time to start the new chapter and, uh, and and see what comes next. Absolutely. I always said at the very start of this that I had a feeling that when we look back six months into their new lives, we'd probably feel like things haven't changed as dramatically as perhaps we thought they may have. And I think given this new information from the palace, uh, basically confirmed that the transition takes effect on 31st of March and we'll see them officially Uh, working independently, funding their own work moving forward, but still, more importantly, spending a lot of time in the UK, which I think was one of the things that was debated the most uh, in the recent weeks was just how much time they would be here moving forward. We saw reports in the Daily Mail saying that Meghan will never come back to the UK and work, and we heard all kinds of rumours that Harry didn't want to do any more work in the UK anymore. And so I think this was a great chance for Buckingham Palace to address those rumours and just really highlight how important this country is in their lives still. That's right, Omid. And do you know what? I think it's just the beauty of time. Everything's been allowed to settle because, of course, when the Sussexes made their initial announcement, even though everyone knew that something had to give, the couple weren't happy, so they were expecting some kind of change, this was, not to be too dramatic, it was pretty explosive, and people don't Mm. do very well with change. And what everyone looks to the royal family for is continuity and stability and a sense that everything's fine. Um, And so 
suddenly sort of seeing the royal family in flux as they were with very popular members of the royal family, I think everyone was sort of spinning from that news. So now, of course, the beauty of hindsight, your prophecy was absolutely right, that the change is not going to be quite as dramatic. Uh, we'll still see them just in a slightly different capacity. Um, and, and I think for Harry especially, obviously, he's grown up in England. He's very committed to the welfare of the nation. He's shown that through his commitment to his organisations, in particular his commitment to the military. There was no way he was just going to say, see ya, and, and take off and never come back. So um, I think I think we'll see as the year progresses that, yes, we'll see them present much more than anyone had anticipated. It's not going to be easy for them because, of course, it means certainly if they stay in Vancouver Island, I don't know if that's the long-term plan, that's not an easy commute. Um, but I think they'll, they'll do the very best they can to fulfill all their obligations. Mm. Later on, I'll go through some of those ob- obligations that they have over here. And it looks like they are sort of working to sort of build everything into sh- sort of br- short chunks of time where they can come over, do a number of engagements and then go back to their new base in North America. And of course, we forget that they do have a home here still. I mean, that won't change. No, and that's very fortunate, isn't it? Because it's just nice as well when you're going to be coming home and cramming a lot in that you've still got your home base. But you're absolutely right, Omid. And I think, what is it, February 28th, I think to about March 9th, we're going to see a jam-packed schedule for the couple. And that's a great use of their time. They're going to tick a lot of boxes, make sure they meet with their patronages, try and and do everything they can to really utilise every second in the country. We'll see them at some events together. We'll see them do independent events. And actually, there's a really nice mix here with the um, John Bon Jovi get together with the Invictus <laughs> Choir. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, we've seen Prince William grooving with John Bon Jovi in the past. I don't know whether Harry's going to be at the mic on this one. Uh, Megan at uh, whatever it is that she's going to be doing for International Women's Day. That's those those details haven't been confirmed yet. But it'll be nice to see the couple together at the Endeavour Fund Awards and, of course, at the Mountbatten Festival of Music. I think what will be interesting, and I hope it doesn't detract too much from the day itself, but Commonwealth Day is going to get a lot of attention this year because, of course, people, um, the, the cynics and the critics are going to be looking for there to be trouble within the ranks of the royal family. Um, I would expect the royal family, it's going to be uh, business as usual, and they're going to do everything they can to keep the focus on the events of Commonwealth Day. But uh, there's no question that's probably going to be the day that gets the most attention in terms of global eyeballs. Well, exactly. And it's the one time, although we don't have a complete list of which family members will attend, we have seen in the past, it's usually uh, the Cambridges and the Sussexes have been side by side alongside other senior royals. So it will really be our only chance to actually see the dynamic that remains between the Sussexes and other family members. And I'm sure all of them will be very aware of the presence of the cameras and everyone waiting to sort of micro-analyse every tiny gesture and look and (laughs) whatever it is. You're so right, Omid. And it's tricky, isn't it? Because you can have one frame of a series of 100 pictures taken. And of course, everybody's face is constantly changing. You're reacting to things. But if there's one even glimmer of a scowl, which could be a a hybrid of a face between a yawn and a smile, um, (laughs) that's going to be interpreted. And so I really hope that everybody kind of just maintains a sense of civility around all of that and doesn't create drama where there isn't any. Um, Because ultimately, 
We don't really know. None of us are present behind the scenes. We don't know what those private conversations have entailed. But I think this is an opportunity for the family to really come together. And what we do know is that the family have been very supportive of Harry and Meghan's wishes, and they've wanted to make sure that they can offer them the best deal they can while also protecting the institution of monarchy. And because this is such an unprecedented move, there's no blueprint for any of this. So they're all just kind of figuring it out as they go along. But um, yes, I, I really hope people really hear what you just said, because you're so right. Um, and we don't want to sort of misinterpret anything on the day, because that really doesn't benefit anybody. It will be that mid-yawn photo that will make all the front pages. <laughs> You've already cursed yes. it now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Entirely responsible. I want to go back to the start of the week. Before we heard any information from Buckingham Palace, uh, we had a story that broke in one of the tabloids here about the Sussexes' use of the word royal in their branding moving forward. Of course, we've long spoken about the Sussex Royal Foundation and the plans going into launching that later this year when it was announced that Harry and Meghan would be stepping back completely from senior royal duties. I think everyone was under the impression that it was unlikely that the word royal would be allowed to be used, but we hadn't really heard much on it until this story, which I imagine was leaked to one of the papers, who knows, uh, suggested that the Queen had basically put the kibosh on on that moving forward. Did it surprise you? Ultimately, no, not really. Um, I think the... Oh, now, obviously, it hasn't been confirmed. Uh, this is all still a work in progress. But I think it was kind of inevitable that the use of the word royal um, wouldn't be allowed moving forwards. But I do really want to stress here that this is not personal. This really isn't personal. This is all logistics, and it all comes down to business at the the end of the day. Um, and I think the best way I can sort of liken it is, let's say I had been working for Barclays Bank for 20 years and had built up this huge reputation at Barclays Bank. And then I left Barclays Bank and wanted to open my own bank. I wouldn't be allowed to call it Arbiter Barclays Bank um, <laughs> because I wasn't at Barclays anymore. It's a very, very uh, um, layman's way of, of explaining it, I suppose. But I think really here, there's so much legislation in the UK surrounding the use of the word royal. And that's really just to prevent any kind of fraudulent activity to make sure members of the public aren't duped into something. Um, a lot of people said, yeah, but what about Crown Royal? Well, Crown Royal is a Canadian company. Now, the Queen doesn't have jurisdiction all over the world on the use of the word royal. But in the UK, it's long been protected. So so, as I said, this is nothing, it's no slight to Harry and Meghan. It's actually, I think, much better for them to not have the use of the word royal because it protects them in the long run as well. It separates the two entities. It avoids the intense scrutiny that would come to the Sussexes if they were using the word royal. It'll prevent accusations and criticism of them cashing in on use of the word royal. So while I'm sure it is a little bit frustrating because, of course, they've they've put so much time and effort into branding Sussex Royal. Um, I think in the long term, it'll be one of those, I mean, when we talk several months from now, we'll go, oh, yeah, that was a good idea uh, yeah. with hindsight, because it just protects uh, both entities. Exactly. And I think it's worth remembering that when they announced the Sussex Royal website that they had alongside that their manifesto for this sort of part-time working royal working model that they wanted to put forward, that was the time when they were thinking about the Sussex Royal branding. And I think as soon as everything changed for them, i.e. not being able to continue as sort of part-time working royals, I think they would have been far from surprised when they 
finally heard that it might not be possible to use the royal name moving forward. And I don't even know if that's something that the couple particularly wants, because of course, their lives have completely changed in the last month or so. They thought that they would be working still uh, for, you know, for the royal family, as well as doing their own thing. And of course, that's completely changed. So I think we talk about this independence that they have, this freedom that they have. It makes sense to also do away with any royal branding as well. And as you say, I think that in the long run, they'll appreciate that. As, as the palace said, that they've the couple have agreed to an initial 12-month review to ensure that the arrangements of this new situation works well. And so by not having Royal on their name, they're sort of, I guess, helping themselves in the long run. It's preventative. I couldn't agree more, Omid. And I think, um, actually, it doesn't matter for Harry and Meghan. If you just say Harry and Meghan, everyone knows who you're talking about. Everyone. There's very few people in this world you can say one name and everyone knows who you're talking about. They don't need the word royal in order to progress. And as you said, they're leaving all things royal behind. So this is just part of the further freedom, the rebranding of Harry and Meghan, should we say. So if they're rebranding, why hold on to what they did in the past when they're looking ahead to the future and a totally new identity and a, a new chapter? for themselves. So I don't think they... The word royal is immaterial at the end of the day. Unfortunately, it just brought a huge backlash against the Queen because people determined she was being petty and mean and yeah. um, and that she was punishing Harry and Meghan. And it's important to remember, too, that the Queen acts on behalf of the government. Uh, everything, every decision that's made isn't the Queen's sole decision. It's done yeah. with a team of advisors, palisades, government officials... Um, experts in in uh, trademarking and and all the rest of it. So this really isn't the Queen being petty. Um, this is the Queen protecting the institution of monarchy, which is her job. And this is the Queen also trying to give Harry and Meghan everything it is that they need to move forward. So um, now that the news is out there, we can all move on from it. But I'm with you, Omid. I don't think they even need the, the use of the word royal. They're going to be just fine on their own. Mm, I was curious to know outside of the royal bubble what the general public thought. I actually ran a poll on my Twitter account and had quite a few thousand responses. 71% said, no, it it is not important that Sussexes get to use the word royal in their foundation name. And the comments underneath basically said they don't need it. uh, They are big enough on their own, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so on. And, And I think that just shows that it's really, I think, perhaps... When we look at how het up the press gets about this kind of thing and, <laughs> yes. and, and how things are framed, as you say, perhaps people had seen this as uh, something personal towards a couple from the Queen, uh, because I think the way these stories are often written is sort of Harry and Meghan slapped down, right. you know, yeah. banished or whatever it is that we've seen over the recent weeks. And, and as you say, it just comes down to protocol and logistics at the end of the day what we really look at is the big picture so okay that's business they're not using the word royal but harry maintains his place in line to the throne they've maintained their hrh even though they can't use it in a in a commercial sense Mm. Uh, they've kept they've kept the style Uh, harry remains a prince by extension as his wife megan remains a princess of the united kingdom they maintain their duke and duchess titles um, and they maintain the order of precedence so that's 
rest of the stuff, if all of that had been stripped away and they'd just been left as plain old Mr. and Mrs. Mountbatten-Windsor, then you you might be able to say, oh, this is perhaps getting a little bit more personal. Um, the fact that all of that remains tells you that the Queen very much wants to uh, keep them within the fold of the royal family. They'll always be members of the royal family. They're just not part of the working members. So it's separating that personal and business side as well, isn't it? So, um, yes, I think we can rest assured that uh, the Queen is not banishing them or punishing them. Um, and yes, it's just sort of, as you say, things get a little hysterical in the media and then suddenly we we all kind of go along with that narrative and it's worth just saying, OK, let's let's look at the bigger picture here. It often paints a very different image. Exactly. I think it was quite good that Buckingham Palace were able to announce all of the kind of confirmed details of this new arrangement so soon after the Sussex Royal debate because I think people perhaps you know it is important that you point out that they are still HRH they're just not using it because of their their working roles have changed and uh, the palace also went to point out that in relation to the military Harry retains his ranks of major lieutenant commander and squadron leader and they spoke about this 12-month transition period or this period of review um is the only time that his honorary military positions won't be used. So it obviously is kind of leaving the door open for things to change moving forward. And I think this statement or this guidance from the palace really went at great lengths to paint a realistic picture of this situation that they haven't been stripped of any of their titles. They still maintain the titles Earl and Countess of Dumbarton and the Baron and Baroness of Kilkeel. Not that I don't think we've ever heard that. Think even, in <laughs> no. the Scot- even in the Scottish press, I don't think the Dumbartons have ever made an appearance. But they're there. They're there. And actually, I think this 12-month review is a brilliant idea. Um, we'd sort of understood in the beginning, I guess, in the brouhaha of, of all the misinformation being reported as well, that Harry was effectively done with all his honorary military roles immediately. So I actually really like that they've said as well that those honorary positions will not be... Uh, filled by anyone else during this 12-month review period. And I actually think it's very generous as well that the door is being left open. Uh, That speaks to the Queen's affection for this couple as well. And I think probably the royal family rather optimistically is hoping that perhaps at the end of the 12 months, Harry and Meghan will decide to come back. I'd be very surprised if that happens because by then they will have started forging their own new path and, and I expect all kinds of exciting things will be happening for them. But at least in leaving the door open, that tells you as well that they're not being punished and banished and cast out and and forevermore um, Mm. considered evil members of the family. It's simply not the case. So um, I think the 12-month review will be helpful as well, given, as we said before, there is no blueprint. There's no model for anything like this. So a year from now, they can say, okay, what's working? What's not working? How can we improve this? What does everybody need in order to continue to facilitate this in a positive fashion? Absolutely. It's a very lucky position to be in. I mean, imagine being, think of in, in, in our terms imagine being unhappy in a job and being allowed to go away and do your own thing for 12 months and then review it at the end of the year brilliant I mean that's yeah, not that's bad the thing we, when you put it that way <laughs> that's the thing we you know that scares us about change and I think Harry and Meghan have been able to take away some of that fear about the unknown because there is always in the back of their minds knowledge that things can be discussed at this side um, moving forward you know in 12 months time it's important to keep the lines of communication open, isn't it? And I mm. think uh, the the Queen, 
in her 68 years on the throne, let's face it, she's learned a thing or two, uh, given everything she's been through. And she's very wise. Even all her former prime ministers have said, you go in there and you appreciate the years of wisdom. And while she doesn't ever obviously tell them what to do, she can point to examples where things have happened that have been similar in the past. And she can just offer wisdom and guidance and, and a listening ear. Um, and Harry, as we know, in particular, is very close to his grandmother. Nobody else could have done the mic drop video that he sent to the Obamas with the Queen. Uh, they share a very similar sense of humour and they share a very warm bond. Uh, so he doesn't want to let her down. But in the same vein, she doesn't want to let him down. Uh, mm. She'd be so sad if she was to suddenly never see her grandson, his wife and her great grandson again. So we have to remember, too, as as much as we're looking at the institution of monarchy, we're also looking at a family. And it's yeah. quite easy to forget sometimes that they're a family as well. That's very important. Uh, and this will be, I think, this time that Harry will have back at home and Meghan will be a great time for not just the work, but also time as a family away from, I guess, probably what's been an exhausting eight weeks of discussions about the future of the Sussexes. There's a lot more that we need to get to from this Buckingham Palace guidance that was released this week. But before we do, let's take a quick break. We've got a really packed itinerary that's been shared by the palace. Harry's here for 12 days. I believe that Meghan's here for a slightly shorter period of time. But he kicks things off on the 28th of February, as you mentioned earlier, with an engagement with John Bon Jovi, which I love the sound of this. (laughs) He'll be at Studio 2, made famous by the Beatles at Abbey Road Studios on that day uh, as he and the Invictus Games Choir re-record his song Unbroken in aid of the Invictus Games Foundation. I imagine this song, uh, although released in March, will make its sort of big stage debut at the Invictus Games in The Hague in May. But it's it's a fun engagement and we saw that great little teaser on the Sussex Royal Instagram account of a fictional, I must point out, (laughs) text conversation between John Bon Jovi and Harry. Oh, it was fun though, wasn't it? I mean, what a nice way. It's just kind of just to have a little fun with it, not the old sort of stayed release a statement it's just and of course that was criticized um as everything is these days you you're damned either way um and i think we just have to accept that that is the way things are moving forwards regardless of who you are celebrity politician uh, or indeed a royal um but i think this is going to be a lot of fun that's probably going to be a major goosebumpy moment at the opening ceremony of the invictus yeah. games when you've got a big choir like that and john bon jovi fronting it i mean you can already tell it's going to be amazing no doubt that'll be a uk number one single as well um so i think this will be fun and harry as well having had a little time away i think we're going to see the best version of harry he's going to be having fun because he knows that this is sort of his final hurrah as a royal um before he begins this next chapter which i expect they're very excited about so i think we're going to really see the best of this couple as they conduct these engagements because i think they'll be keen to show the british public as well that yes they are spending a percentage of their time in north america but they are as committed to the uk as well absolutely and some people were a bit puzzled by the fact that john bon jovi was actually even involved in this but I I don't obviously I don't think it's as well documented over here but certainly in the US he's been very outspoken about uh, his work when it comes to military veterans both of his parents also served in the US Marines and this song really is dedicated to those from all branches of personnel and uh, military ranks 
basically using music uh, to aid their recovery. So it's a really, I think the song will be very important to him and to Harry and, and a and really smart choice. Also, John Bon Jovi is well known for his charitable endeavours. And as we yeah. briefly touched on before, in 2013, he joined Taylor Swift and Prince William on stage. Um, they were raising money that night for Centrepoint. Um, so clearly this is something he loves to do. He loves yeah. to be involved. He's massively successful global superstar this is the way you give back when you have that kind of platform absolutely and then the engagements continue we've got harry and megan side by side at the endeavor fund awards which uh, it recognizes wounded injured and sick service personnel it's uh we spoke about goosebumps earlier this is a night of goosebumps i i've gone every year I have struggled to hold back tears every year it. because it's yeah. really, uh, you, you feel humbled being in the presence of such incredible people. And I think to see them awarded for the work that they've done and the things that they've achieved uh, is quite something. And as we know in previous years, Harry's been involved in the judging for this as well. So it's something that he's involved in really before the night even begins. Uh, so that will be a good one. And then we've got Harry again on his own with Lewis Hamilton on March the 6th at Silverstone, uh, launching a brand new museum that tells the story of the past and present and future of British motor racing. This I thought was a nice one because this is very much a royal engagement. It doesn't necessarily tie in with any of the sort of initiatives that Harry and Meghan are pushing forward at the moment. It's sort of like a traditional royal opening. It really is, isn't it? It's a classic. It's kind of a, a champion brand Britain, celebrate all that's British, champion British sport, British athletes. Um, yes, this is your sort of classic royal engagement, but a fun one as well. And, and again, if let's say Harry had remained a working member of the royal family, this is the type of engagement that he would be chosen to do because he's got the right personality for it. And it'll, it'll be a really fun day, that one, I think. It'll be great to see Harry on this trip also forging ahead with his sustainable travel initiative, Travelist. Uh, we heard today that Harry, whilst over here, will travel to Edinburgh privately, we believe, uh, for a day of work with the Travelist project to share details of a prototype scheme that will aim to bring more transparency around carbon emissions for individual flights and make holidays as environmentally as friendly as possible. And that's from the consumer's perspective. And I guess this... We heard about the Travelist Initiative last summer and there's been sort of minor updates here and there, but they've been sort of working, continue to work behind the scenes on sort of getting this ready for a public launch. But I think it's really important to see him continue with this because this is something that will continue long into his future as a non-working royal. This is very much one of the initiatives at the heart of the Sussex Royal Foundation or whatever that foundation's called. Yeah, it was also it was interesting. There was a quote in the Telegraph. Forgive me, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but it, mm. it said that um, that in this engagement, he's very keen not to tell people what to do, but to give them all of the information. And I thought that was interesting. So straight away, they're knocking the criticism on the head because they know what's coming. Oh, Harry's flying all the way from North America. What's his carbon footprint? It, yeah. It's so dull. It comes up every time. I mean, what are they going to do? Swim across the Atlantic? <laughs> so, um, so I think what he's doing here is, yes, as part of his business, he's going to have to fly. And where possible, he will fly commercial. But the job here is moving forwards, is giving the consumer all of the information so that they can make choices that fit well with what they believe in and what fits their lifestyle. Um, and, and you're right, Omid, he's going to be championing this. This is something that 
was started relatively late in in his royal career, shall we say. So the fact that he's going to continue with it shows how committed he is to the initiative as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're going to hear a lot more about the work that they aim to do post-royal lives uh, beyond March the 31st. But it's great to see some of those seeds being sown now. Meghan will uh, take on an engagement for International Women's Day. The palace haven't released details yet. But I do hear from sources that she has a number of private meetings with her patronages and a couple of other initiatives while she's over here. So that, again, will be sort of the beginnings of her getting things ready for their new lives too and of course we do see them getting involved in royal engagement too as we spoke earlier we've got the commonwealth service and the mountbatten music festival on march 7th which uh, i haven't actually been to the mountbatten music festival for but i have watched it on tv it is an impressive display of uh, all the bands of her majesty's royal marines coming together to raise money for i think it's a royal marines charity and click sergeant I love that night, Omid. So, disclaimer here, I am a real marching band geek. I (laughs) love them. I love them. Max Foster, obviously the royal commentator and CNN, he always laughs at me because I just, I love it. If I can hear the band in the distance and they're marching up the hill towards Windsor Castle, I am going to be there to watch them. So, the Mountbatten Festival of Music, it's it's a bit like the Festival of Remembrance around the Remembrance Day commemorations. It's just incredibly moving. It's such an impressive display of pageantry. Um, They all look so smart in their uniforms and it's a good reminder of of what uh, so many people are doing on behalf of their country. So I'm really glad, again, that Harry and Meghan are going to be at that because I think also by them coming to all of these things, Meghan, as you mentioned, having her private meetings with her patronages, it's reassuring to all of those entities that they are involved with that they remain committed because nobody wants to feel like they've been dropped like a hot potato. So by being there, it's showing their commitment that they continue to be involved, they continue to take a really avid interest in the goings-on and, and the workings of everything. So I think this can only be viewed as a, as a positive step forwards. Absolutely. And I think after all the noise about, you know, what kind of commercial endeavours will the couple be taking on? And there was so much talk around the JP Morgan gig. I think bringing it back to the work that they're doing, the philanthropic endeavours that mean so much to them uh, is, is really important and, and well-timed. Yes, absolutely. And the JP Morgan thing, look, you can go either way on it. And of course, um, as we've mentioned many times already in this in this last sort of half hour or so, uh, you are damned either way as a member of the royal family, as, as celebrities are. But I think actually the fact that they got in and out with no pictures was nothing short of remarkable, given everybody has a camera phone these days. But they went there. It wasn't about championing themselves. For me, it was more about meeting the right people because whatever it is they're going to want to do with their nonprofit charitable organization moving forwards is going to take a lot of money. And Americans mm. are very well known for having deep pockets and being very interested in taking on philanthropic endeavors. Um, and so by meeting those people, they're, they're sort of deciphering, okay, who's the right person to be involved with this? Obviously, they're going to have to be very careful that they uh, – mix with the right people. Um, but I think really that was all about just sort of putting feelers out, trying to understand who's out there, who's going to be good to work with, who shares the same interests that they do, um, and how they can set about fundraising. They're educating themselves. Surely that's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, Victoria, it's a pleasure as always. I feel like we could go on go on about 10 more things to do I know, with the Sussexes. I know, yes, me too. 
Um, um, but yes, it will be very interesting to see how the weeks ahead go. We have, what, a month? Just over a month until Harry and Meghan officially leave their lives as working members of the royal family. I'm sure there'll be a lot more than just the engagements we see them take on here in London for the 12 days that Harry's over here. But yes, it'll be very interesting. It'll be exciting. Well, thank you so much for having me, Omid. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes next. Thanks, Victoria. Well, Victoria, I'm sure we'll be talking more about the Sussexes' new chapter later on. Um, but hopefully for the days ahead, things will be a little bit calmer for the couple and they can just get on with their work. Now, as I mentioned at the start of the show, I wanted to have a look at the impact that the Duchess of Cambridge's extraordinary interview that she gave with a mum blogger here in the UK on a series called Happy Mum, Happy Baby, uh, presented by Giovanna Fletcher, who is a mum blogger and personality here in the UK. She had the Duchess of Cambridge on as a special guest as she promoted her early years survey for the under fives here in the UK. And it was really an eye-opening and extraordinary moment for Kate. We have very rarely heard her speak with such levels of candour. I had actually been at a listening session at Kensington Palace uh, before the episode aired just to kind of get a feel for what we were going to expect and I spoke a little bit about that on the last episode but this episode had not dropped yet so there was a lot that I couldn't talk about. It was great to hear her speak about motherhood in a way that we hadn't before. And it was clear that from the way she spoke and just how involved she is in the early years development field, that this wasn't just a vanity exercise. I think for Kate, hearing her in a space where she felt confident to speak very openly was, it was refreshing. And I feel like she exposed herself in a way that we haven't seen before. This was her talking about her work, what she's learned as a mother because of her work. And we really got to hear a little bit of insight into the world in which she's raising her children. It's not totally my responsibility to do everything because, you know, we all have good days, bad days. And actually, if you can dilute that with others who aren't on that particular day struggling or, mm-hmm. or um, I think it makes such a difference for your child and actually keeping them as constant and as happy as possible. Do you struggle with mum guilt for having the yes, juggle? Yes, absolutely. I think anyone who does one as a mother <laughs> is actually like, yeah, all the time. Yeah. And, you know, even this morning, going to the nursery visit here, George and Charlotte were like, mummy, how could you possibly not be dropping off herself at school this morning? But no, it's a constant challenge. You hear it time and time again mm-hmm. from, from mums. Even mums who aren't necessarily working and aren't pulled in in the direction sort of having to juggle work life and family life, they don't feel that they've there's got... There's always something there's to always be guilty some, over. Exactly. And actually always sort of questioning your own decisions and your own judgments and, and things like that. And I think that starts from the moment you have a, a baby. In your tummy, <laughs> in not your even time, in your arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, you know, I feel a huge responsibility because, you know, the amount of what I've learned over the last few years, it's so fascinating. Mm. And I definitely would have done things differently, even during my pregnancy, than really? I would have done now, knowing the importance of of the early years. Yeah, absolutely. We actually had a chance to speak with Giovanna at the Kensington Palace listening session, and she herself 
was blown away by just how candid Kate was in that conversation. Uh, she told us that she'd never heard Kate speak so openly in this way before. She said, I remember having a moment when we were in there and I thought, I can't believe this is happening. And I was trying to act like it was completely normal and it's not. Uh, but I think this is a great this is a great new phase that we're seeing the Duchess of Cambridge in now. Today marks the end of her survey, which she has been promoting and getting many people of the UK involved in. I think there have been well over 200,000 uh, participants in this. We saw some support from her own family this week as well. James Middleton posted on Instagram asking his followers if they haven't already to fill out the very quick survey and get involved. We also saw Carol Middleton share a post on her family business party pieces. I think they're on the official Facebook page. It was great to see her family come together. I think it's very rare we actually even see her family members uh, mention Kate's name in public. Uh, They've been extremely quiet uh, for obvious reasons ever since she married into the royal family. But I think this was the perfect time to really see them come forward and support her on what Kate says is her most important project yet. This is a lifelong project that will take her far into the future. Certainly for the next decade, it's going to be a heavy focus for her. And it'll be really interesting to see when the results of this survey come out, what the next steps are. In the meantime, though, we will see the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge attend some other engagements. They're attending a special performance of the Tony Award-winning musical Dear Evan Hansen at the Norcald Theatre in London. This is being held in the aid of the Royal Foundation. The musical itself, I haven't seen it, but I believe tells the story of a young man, Evan, trying to find his way and his voice in our very different society that we live in today. And of course, this does tie in somewhat with the Royal Foundation's work in the mental health space, because of course, mental health is a key priority for the charity, which works to tackle the stigma and encourage more people to talk openly about their mental health. So it'd be great to see the couple at, uh, I guess, a, a glitzier event than, than we've seen them recently. Kate did a kind of very boots on the ground tour of the UK for the survey. And this is a slightly lighter affair, shall we say. And then, of course, William has a day of engagement in Nottinghamshire as well. So that will no doubt give us a lot more to talk about on a future episode of The Airport. All of the royals are very busy at the moment. Uh, We will be coming to you next week, almost off the back of Harry's return to work, his engagement with John Bon Jovi here in London. It'll be very interesting to have him back in the UK, back in action. And uh, finally, being able to talk about the work that the couple are doing, because that, at the end of the day, is what's most important, and that is what's driving them at the moment thank you again for all of your positive comments Uh, do keep them coming in just use the hashtag the airpod on twitter i'm always looking out for them and if you haven't left a review for the show yet please do it does help us massively once again thank you to leighton schneider anthony alley and mike debusky over in new york for bringing this show together and making it happen every week and until the next episode see you then